All right, welcome back to the Nick Reed Show here on KSGF 104.1. Mornings with Nick Reed. Is that the official name of the show? KSGF Mornings with Nick Reed. <laughs> okay. You were close. I'm sorry. I can't keep no, up. No, you're okay. Uh, so at any rate, Nick's not here this today. He's not here this week at all, but uh, I'm filling in. I'm Darren Chapel, And um, we've, we've been talking about... Uh, President Trump and Colorado, and then we had Shane Schuller on, and at the bottom of this hour, we've got Representative Trisha Burns, uh, who's from the eastern part of the state, and she's going to be talking about an issue that has local and national implications concerning nuclear waste that has been in her neck of the woods um, inappropriately buried uh, and it goes all the way back to the manhattan project but she's going to come talk to us about that and uh, some of the help she's gotten from josh holly on the national side of things but uh, at any rate first of all we've got to do the news and find out what's going on in the world around us today and your first alert forecast from Color 10 Fox 49 meteorologist Tom Schmidt, sponsored by Wolfpack Cleaners, your residential and commercial cleaning professionals. Today we've got rain and snow throughout the day with a high near 40. Tonight a 20% chance of snow showers, otherwise mostly cloudy with a low around 30. And on Friday a slight chance for snow, cloudy with a high near 37. Currently in Springfield it is cloudy and 32. And real quick, I want to tell you about my friends over at the pyramid roofing company you know it's no secret we've had some pretty crummy weather over the last couple of days with all of this rain and even snow across the ozarks and if you've noticed that your gutters are just not keeping up or maybe you've noticed some more uh, serious issues like yellowing on your ceilings or just even full-blown leaks right now is the best time to go ahead and give josh with the pyramid roofing company a call they'll come out they'll do an inspection for you and one of my favorite things about the pyramid roofing company is they're going to be upfront and honest with you they're not going to sugarcoat things like if it's time for a whole new roof, they're going to let you know. But they're not going to try to upsell you either or try to use scare tactics. And that is one thing that I truly appreciate about the Pyramid Roofing Company. So if you are noticing some of those serious uh, issues like the yellowing or just the, the leaks happening, the Pyramid Roofing Company is the team that has got you covered. Now, you can give Josh and his team a call today. You can find all of that contact information housed under the Sarah's Endorsements tab at ksgf.com. There you go. Yes, sir. So this news about Gypsy Rose Lee getting out. Yes. How do you feel about it? Well, you know, I was a city manager in um, Chillicothe, uh -huh. which is where the women's prison that she was housed yes. at is in Chillicothe. And so there was a bit of a local tie in there. I, Her mother was a monster. Her mother used her, exploited her in all the ways that we're familiar with. But she went along with it far longer than just being a child, you know, and, and I, I think there comes a point in everybody's life when you're, you can't, you can't rely on the status of your upbringing to excuse your bad behavior. Everybody has to grow past their childhood at some point. So many people don't ever. You know, I had a rough childhood, so I get to be a jerk and nobody can say anything right. about it because I was I was mistreated. Um, and there are individuals who suffer severe mental distress because of what happened to them as a child. Somebody who's been molested, you know, I mean, it, they ne it never goes away. But even so, you still have to 
you have to take responsibility as an adult and say, okay, that was bad, but I'm not going to be that way. And if you choose not to follow that route, well, then whatever comes, comes. So I, I think, I think she's a con artist (laughs) and, and, uh, I, I, I think I think it's really unfortunate that she's being uh, released. Now, what do you think about the the ex-boyfriend? Because he has what life in prison plus 25 years. Yeah. And, you know, she's just as guilty. Would he have killed that woman if she hadn't have talked him into it? You know, I I just I don't understand the concepts uh, behind it. But sympathies go go a long way. Right. Yeah. How about you? Uh, you know, I'm kind of in the same boat. I think what happened to her was just terribly tragic. I think just the, all of the constant abuse, I, I could see why she would feel the way that she did. Uh, I don't necessarily know. I don't know if there was a way out for her. Uh, I'm not excusing what she did by all means by saying that. But uh, yeah, I feel like there is definitely a disproportionate um uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's disproportionate between her and the the ex boyfriend because he yeah. he has life in prison plus 25 years yeah. and she gets to go out. I understand wanting to kill somebody. Do um, you? Oh, oh, touch one of my kids, see what happens. <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> I mean that's not. I I can understand the premise, but okay, you made that decision. Here's what happens, and that's not what's going on here. All right, we got to take a real quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about what some of the things that are going to be happening in the House in the upcoming session. And at the bottom of the hour, we'll have Tricia Burns on. Um, but we got to take these messages right here on KSGF 1041. Springfield's Talk 1041. Sarah Myers here. The new year, it's going to be here before you know it. And if you're planning on purchasing a new vehicle, but you've got a couple of options that you're looking at, you need to look into Avis, the car rental company, and their long-term rental program. Now, this program, it's a great option, like I said, if you're looking at several makes and models, but you want to do kind of that longer test drive than what you get at the dealership, uh, and especially before you make that commitment, because vehicles, they're going to be one of the larger investments that you will make. Uh, But with the long-term rental program you don't have to make any trips to the dmv you don't have to worry about maintenance and if you get into a vehicle and you realize you know i need more bells and whistles i need more room uh, you can swap out vehicles every couple of months if you wish to do so now if you want more information on the long-term rental program swing by the avis store it's located here in springfield off of fort and sunshine make sure to ask for lauren he can help you out with all of that information and of course you can find all of the contact information for avis the car rental company under the Sarah's Endorsements tab at KSGF.com. Darren, are you ready? I am ready. No, I don't think you are. You're over there scrolling on your phone. (laughs) You know, Sarah. (laughs) You really want to fight today? (laughs) You came in with an attitude. No, I didn't. Actually, I was really happy to see you. I was like, there's Darren. She was, Mm -hmm. really. (laughs) Not so much now. Mm -hmm. Then you come in here all... Feisty. I, I was looking at something that's going to be pertinent to the show. Okay. I All wasn't right. just playing on my phone. Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> Crying out loud. All right. So, um, it is always good to be with Sarah and with you all. Anytime I get the yes, opportunity. Yes, I enjoy it when you fill in. Well, that's good because I get to a lot. We were, I was talking to Katie. You know, it occurred to me, I've done, I think I've done more radio over the last, you know, 16 years plus, uh, than anybody else who doesn't get a paycheck. So, 
So other than the people who actually work here, I've done more radio over those years. So it's kind of a it's a, it's a fun thing. I, I get to come in and do my thing. So it's it's a lot of fun. I enjoy it. Hope you do too. Um, so some of the things that are going to be coming up in the house uh, this year, uh, there's some caucus priorities. Um, I don't know how effective we're going to be. It's an election year that 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 always adds a um, a wrinkle into the mix simply because we have so many people both in the Senate and in the House who are running for statewide office, uh, members of the House who are running for the Senate. And unfortunately, too many times individuals use their time on the very the floors of either chamber to um, run for that next office than they are trying to accomplish the work that is set before us in the legislature. And that that's just an unfortunate truth that has always been and I suppose always will be. So election years are less productive oftentimes, especially when you have in a presidential election year. So every four years we go through this and um, the statewide offices and all that. Um, Plus, the Senate has been so sharply divided between individual groups within the Senate that, frankly, the Senate becomes dysfunctional because they spend more time worrying about ego in some cases than actually producing legislative uh, product. The House is divided as well, and I'm not talking Republican-Democrat. I'm talking within the Republican caucus. There are so many different viewpoints on how things ought to be that we struggle with getting things done in the House as well as uh, the Senate. But we're going to be taking a hard look at education reform and whether or not uh, the money that the state provides should go to the school districts based on the uh, population of students that attend there and nowhere else, no, no other way, or should the money follow the students wherever they go? Um, and I, we're just talking about the state money, which is the smaller part of school funding. Local school districts continue to get federal funding and uh, local property tax funding, um, and, and this wouldn't change any of that. So if a school loses students, they would lose the money that comes from the state, but they would maintain the other forms of, of funding. So although their overall funding would go down, their per-student average would actually go up. So there's quite a bit of debate about that, and uh, we don't have time to deal with it today, but that's another subject that we ought to talk about. Um, we're also looking at um, IP reform. Uh, initiative petition reform. So in Missouri, we have initiative petition and something can be with enough signatures can be put on the ballot and it can be voted on by the citizens. And if it if it's, you know, a majority, simple majority, 50 percent plus one person, then that will pass. And we have that both for statutory issues, what laws ought to be. But we also have the same system for constitutional amendments. And the IP reform that is going to be talked about will not change the statutory IP. That, that, that just simply should not change. But the question is, should it be more difficult than a simple majority to uh, change the Constitution of the state of Missouri, which is supposed to be not a glorified, expanded code of laws, but rather the, the, 
the model, the paradigm by which our state is established and by which laws are made. And should the Constitution be changed that easily? That that's that's the that's the question at hand. And so those those two things are going to be pretty uh, upfront and focused on in in the House this coming session. I also have some bills. Talk a little bit about those, but uh, here uh, in a minute. But right now we got to take another quick break here on KSGF one zero four one. Oh, so you're taking over for Katie. So now Sarah's dancing to hey the Christmas music. Hey, man, it's music. 825 in the morning. <laughs> Something's got to give you a little joy in life. I've got a big bucket of coffee here. That's there where I derive my joy. joy. Yeah, yeah. All right. So um, so IP reform, education reform, those are going to be big priorities in the House. Um, I'm hopeful that property tax uh, relief is also a big prop, uh, priority. Uh, one of the bills that I filed is um, one that I filed last year, made it all the way through the process to be brought to the floor, but it was so late in the session, there was no chance it was going to be picked up, let alone passed by the Senate, that um, I chose not to debate it on the House floor because everybody was, they were ready to finish. And I didn't want to aggravate people in the process and maybe hurt the bill for this coming year. So I refiled my bill on real property tax relief. And essentially what it is, is if you buy a property, we know that is the value of the property because that's the point at which the property changed hands is when you gave X amount of dollars and they accepted it. Okay, fair fair market definition. That's the value of the property. So that should be the assessment value. And but this bill would say it won't change in assessment value. Um, can't go above that for the entirety that you own the prop own the property. So uh, that that protects senior citizens and veterans. Uh, it also protects urban uh, dwellers because a lot of people in poor neighborhoods, then somebody will come in, they'll buy all the properties and renovate them. And now the property values go up. And even though uh, your house hasn't been renovated because you're living in there and, and you bought it, bought it there because of uh, being a lower income strata. Um, but now your property values have increased and people get taxed out of their homes. It's called gentrification. And um, this would eliminate that as well. And, and I caught a lot of flack from local uh, governments, including counties and school districts, because they depend on the increased valuation of assessments to increase their tax revenues without having to go to a vote of the people, which, although not technically contrary to the Hancock Amendment by the letter of the law, I believe it's cont- contrary to the Hancock Amendment in spirit. Furthermore, in this country, we do not tax unrealized gains in any facet except for property taxes, and I, I believe it's wrong. We we fought a revolution over this a couple hundred years ago, and um, I believe the way that we do things here in this in this state is is wrong, morally wrong, and we should correct the law to address that moral wrongness. Uh, my own mother, her her property taxes went up thirteen percent this year alone, you know, and that's that's just that's outrageous. 
That's absolutely outrageous. Um, so I refiled that bill. I was talking to Shane Schuller earlier and mentioned that I have a constitutional amendment that I've refiled that would change the Missouri state constitution from all citizens may vote to only citizens may vote because it makes no sense whatsoever to let non-citizens vote in Missouri elections. Currently, we don't have anybody trying to do that, but there are cities across the country that are allowing non-citizens to vote because there's no prohibition in their state constitution. And uh, we need to change that as well. And I've also got a bill uh, that I haven't filed yet, but I'm going to, and it deals with electric vehicles. Now, I'm not against electric vehicles. I don't have any interest in owning one, but if you have one, that's great. Mazel tov. I couldn't care less. Um I think there are ramifications to owning electric vehicles, and if the the ownership increases significantly, I think we're going to have real problems with the the electric grid. We're not prepared for it, but I don't care if you own one, and I don't have anything to say about that. It's not the role of government to tell you what kind of car you can own. But other governments, specifically the state, state departments, and political subdivisions, my bill would say that you cannot purchase an electric vehicle as a political subdivision. So I'm talking about the government cannot purchase an electric vehicle under this bill unless you can provide a certification from the manufacturer that that electric vehicle was not produced using either child or slave labor. This is the blood diamond issue of our era. Cobalt is mined around the world in third country, third third world countries mostly, and slave labor and child labor is a huge problem in the production of electric vehicles, and nobody wants to talk about it. And so I'm going to present this uh, to say it can't be done unless you can unless you can show that there's no child or slave labor involved. And frankly, I kind of want to see the Democrats argue in favor of child labor and slave labor around the world. I'm looking forward to that debate. So that that I've got some other stuff I'm working on, too. But those are those are the big priorities of the caucus and bills that I'm working on uh, that are going to be coming up. We are going to be joined. We're going to take another quick break. When we come back, we're going to be joined by Representative Tricia Burns from the 63rd District of the Missouri House. And you're going to want to listen to this because we haven't heard a lot about it in this part of the state. But she's been fighting a fight. Uh, up around St. Louis that it's going to impact a lot of people. So come back to us uh, right after these messages here on KSGF 104.1. Your first alert forecast from Color 10 Fox 49 meteorologist Tom Schmidt, sponsored by Wolfpack Cleaners, your residential and commercial cleaning professionals. Today we have rain and snow throughout the day with a high near 40. Tonight a 20% chance of snow showers, but otherwise mostly cloudy with a low around 30. And Friday a slight chance for snow, cloudy with a high of 37. Currently in Springfield it has cloudy and 33 degrees. All right, we are uh, joined on the show by Representative Tricia Burns, Burn from the uh, 63rd District, which is near St. Louis. Good morning, Tricia. How are you? Good morning, Representative. I'm doing great. Yeah, yeah. How are you? I'm great. Did you have a good Christmas? I did. Matter of fact, I was down in your area of the state. We stayed a few days in Branson. It's beautiful at Christmas. Well, that yeah, it is actually. It is. Um, um, hey, listen, I, it's not that I owe you an apology, but I think I need to tell you this, okay? Do you remember that conversation uh -oh. we had in the elevator when you found out that 
we eat roosters. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so. I never really thought too much about <laughs> as a city girl. <laughs> you and I come from such different backgrounds, and the look on your face. We were talking about chickens and being able to tell because it was a bill, Jim Murphy's bill on uh, allowing individuals to have chickens in their backyard, which has been an issue in your neck of the woods, too. And um, we were talking about roosters versus hens and being able to tell the difference as chicks. And uh, and 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 I said, well, it's kind of hard to tell. And and, and you said, well, how do you? And I, and I said, we well, got to hold them upside down, blowing their butt. And when their feathers part, <laughs> you find out whether they're a boy or a girl. And you said, you said, well, I'm not blowing on any chickens, butt. and I just <laughs> cracked me up. And then uh, and then you said, well, I guess if you got a rooster, you could just give it away. And I said, yeah, or you could eat it. And the look on your face was priceless, Tricia. The idea, right? Because I've never thought of you know rooster fettuccine, and it's just so it's it, and it's why it's important to have representation from all parts of the state because your background and understanding is so significantly different than mine just because of how we grew up, and you need that three dimensional view on all kinds of issues, much more important than right. chickens. And, right. uh, and and we can have a sense of humor about it too. But I have told that story without identifying you until now. Nah, uh, you can identify <laughs> I bet you I bet you there is many people that live in a more populated area oh. that are shocked about Rooster fettuccine. <laughs> <laughs> she said I get I cracked me up. She said, You mean I mean, should we call it Tyson Rooster? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> you really can go far with that. Matter uh, of fact, the, the backyard chickens was a hot item in Wentzville, and I just went ahead and tackled it head on with a little town hall meeting, and we we actually had it at Chick Fil A, and then we let everyone get the chicken jokes out of the way. Quite a few great chicken jokes, and then we got to the business of. It was pretty heated, you know, yeah. whether your neighbor could introduce chickens, because when you live in small proper on small uh, lots, if your neighbor has chickens, you just got chickens. Yeah. And that's what we had going on. Yeah. Well, your, mo- got, your, your mom was against it, right? Oh, I thought my mom was good. My mom was so against it. <laughs> um, I, I imagine you wouldn't find this shocking that my mother's outspoken. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Well, that's not why I wanted you to come on the show, but I just, I've, I've told that story so many times. I just felt like I ought to at least clue you in on it. Yeah. So you uh, outed me to all of Springfield, <laughs> but I did not understand. I'd not really ever think about eating rooster oh it just cracked me up it just <laughs> rooster it was, nugget it was the whole urban versus rural dichotomy summed up in one oh, yeah. one elevator conversation between the basement and the second floor uh, absolutely all right so but in all seriousness uh there has been a serious problem in your neck of the woods in winsville which is for folks who aren't familiar is uh kind of northeast of lake st louis northwest of East lake st louis is that right Yes, and okay. so we're really just on the other side of the river from St. Louis County. Okay. And um, I would imagine many of your listeners have never heard this story. It's um, Did you see Oppenheimer this summer? I, I did not. Uh, producer Sarah did. Okay. Well, we weren't shocked, but even in Oppenheimer, they didn't mention St. Louis at all. 
And St. Louis, Missouri was the birthplace of the Manhattan Project. Uh, many will consider it because between St. Louis and St. Charles, over 100,000 tons of uranium was processed. And I'm going to give you a little bit of history because I'm sure your your portion of the state's not going to know about this because there's people that I talk to that have this in their backyard that still learn about this today. Um, so what happened was uh, back in 42, we had a professor, I don't know if you've ever heard of um, author Holly Compton. He's kind of famous for, for my group because we know the role that he played. He was a professor at Warshu. And he reached out to Edward Mellencrot and convinced him or worked together to have Mellencrot's downtown plant um, develop and process uranium for the atomic bomb. So all of the um, materials that went into the Trinity project, which that was the test done out in New Mexico before we bombed Japan. So essentially we bombed our own people in New Mexico before we went out and, and bombed Japan, but that all came from St. Louis. So that plant in St. Louis operated from 42 to 57. And in 57, they realized that they, they were in such haste when they developed that, that they really had a dirty plant down there. And that was in a very populated area. So they moved to two different areas, one in Fernald, Ohio, and then one in St. Charles County. Um, so then you say, well, how did I come to, to know about all of this stuff? Um, what happened in 2015 is I had a son that was diagnosed with um, cancer, and he's perfectly healthy now. I like to jump to that part of it so we can get past that. He's healthy now. But what was alarming to me was he was one of only 50 children in medical history that have ever had the kind of cancer he had. So if anyone wants to look up pediatric thymoma, they'll see that it, that it's one of the rarest cancers that you, you could even look up. And a specialist told me that it was due to a direct impact of radiation and m much more significant than an x-ray. She said definitely um, our atomic era and the waste in St. Louis, he probably had a direct interaction with it to cause such a significant injury at 15. So I started doing some research and I originally thought it was about a quarry in St. Charles County because when they were operating in St. Louis and throughout the weapons program, if there was ever radioactive material or chemicals that were dangerous and they didn't know what to do with them, um, they would say, you know what, just take it out to St. Charles County and dump it in that quarry. And then they found out, well, where's the quarry from? Well, the quarry was built because the land um, before it had an atomic bomb plant in it was a TNT processing plant. And they created TNT and DNT in St. Charles County. And we're, that, that plant was number one in World War II in the world for TNT and DNT. And so now we have TNT and DNT in St. Charles County. We have the quarry accepting waste from all over the country. And we later, after they contaminated St. Louis, they put this atomic bomb processing plant, if you would, a uranium processing plant. And that operated from 57 to 66. But here's the unique thing. And I usually have to say this to people twice that live in my area. Because people say, well, wait a second, that plant was a thousand feet 
next to a high school, literally shared a border of an operating high school. And people will automatically get really upset because a lot of the people um, prior to a cleanup, and I'll talk about the timeline, they say, well, how dare the school build next to an operating uranium processing plant? That's not the case. Our government put the plant next to an operating high school. Stack emissions, um, deliveries that weren't covered, waste down the road, all of this was going on, whether it was in a community there and an operating high school. So here's what you now have. So if you can kind of picture St. Louis on a map and you move out west to St. Charles, you took material when you when they took um, down St. Louis plant and they started storing it in areas of North County in St. Louis. And they started hauling waste to St. Charles County, and then they started production in St. Charles County. So it was said by Senator Kit Bond at the time um, that our area has the most atomic bomb waste spread by square foot than any place in the country. Here's the problem that we uncovered, okay? So those of us like me who are working on this, there was so much cover-up because this was a, a program that was that was developed in secrecy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, Trish, Trish, hold on just one second. We, we're we're going to have to take a quick break. the The story, sure, sure. The, the background, and everything is fascinating. We're going to take a quick break, and then when we come back, I, I, want, I want you to finish what you're what you're saying about the secrecy, which you know, national security is what we're talking about on the secrecy level, right? But mm-hmm. Whether they understood the impact at the time or not, we do now. And I'd like for you to focus also on what's being done or not done and what the scope of the impact is on this. It's not just it's not just St. Charles County and Winsville. Surely there's got to be more of an impact on a broader scale. But uh, fascinating stuff. And uh, please hold right there. We're going to take these quick breaks and we're going to come right back with Representative Tricia Byrne uh, here on KSGF 1041. All right. Crying out loud. <laughs> Christmas music. I'm done. All right. Uh, Representative Trisha Burns. It, and Trisha, I'm, I, I've said burn and I've said burns. And I'm sorry. I'm getting. It's bur- plural. It's I, okay. I, I know it is. And, I, and I'm just, I realize that I've not done it right. And I apologize. Um, so. This concept that the, that the government put in uh, nuclear processing plant next to a high school um is just astonishing um you know in contextual history it may be it could be argued i suppose that they didn't have the full understanding then of what nuclear byproducts what waste byproducts um would do at the time and maybe Although I think they knew they built a bomb out of it to make. I, I'm letting you talk because I think a lot of people feel the way you do. And yeah. I know my folks did, too. So I'll, I'll tell you the latest this summer when you're done explaining. Yeah. That. Well, I, I'm just saying if you if you give them the benefit of the doubt for what they did in 1942, which I don't know that you can, because, like I said, they built a bomb out of it for the purpose of killing people. So I, I think mm-hmm. there's some some question as to whether they were as innocent about it as they might let on. But it doesn't make any difference. That was, you know, that was 80 years ago. And you got to take responsibility. I'm going to blow your mind. You got to take responsibility for it now. But go ahead. 
Well, let me blow your mind now. Um, so what made a difference? So if you remember, I had a bill, and all I could do at the state level was compel the state to ask our federal government to do right by the state of Missouri and Missourians, okay? And then this summer, um, 12 news organizations got together, and they went and discovered documents. And um, it was so great. Every half hour, they were releasing more and more documents. But the silver bullet was this. There was a document discovered that in 1949, the government did know that this would kill people. They specifically specifically talked about one of the sites, which is where they had barreled storage of waste. And they said these barrels are um, rusting and they are leaking. However, we can't send our workers to clean it up because it would kill our workers. That's how dangerous this material is. Wow. And right now it's leaking into a creek. Well, that creek is Coldwater Creek, and it ribbons all throughout St. Louis County into people's backyards, into schools. And um, what they said was, we're just going to have to let it leak into the creek. Then there was a document that came back and said, um, wow, we just tested this. The water levels in the creek are highly um, radioactive. We're even seeing children play in it. But they didn't come back until the 80s and start uttering a mention to the community that their children were playing in a creek contaminated by nuclear bomb waste. Wow. See, uh, Um, our our producer, Sarah, just just so you know, she has her grandfather's from Pacific. Okay, and he served in Mm -hmm. World War Two. He served in Korea and he served in a military installation out west that had nuclear residue um, and and nuclear waste storage. Um, He he actually he actually died uh, at at 54 years old um, from exposure to radiation. It had actually eaten a hole into his spine, he was told by doctors. Mm -hmm. Um, He died. Uh, and and his his daughter and now his granddaughter have been fighting for his recognition of what's happened to him, and um, the military has been unwilling to uh, acknowledge this because they say his records were lost in a fire. Problem is the fire happened before mm. he died. So there's that's a that's a side conversation because here's where um, what you're probably talking about. <clears throat> There's two different um, pieces of legislation. One of the things people say is, well, why don't you sue? Well, because the federal government and Mellencrot in our area was smart enough to pass federal legislation to hold them harmless from any damage at the time of war. So it has to be federally legislated for there to be any kind of coverage. So, like I said, in Mexico, um, those folks are dying horrific deaths because they were essentially the first ones bombed, right? We bombed our own people essentially with those tests. So in the nineteen in nineteen ninety, a federal program, Radiation Exposure Compensation Act, was created to help with medical expenses, with testing, and with payments to those injured by those tests. Okay. St. Louis, not even considered. St. Louis is still living with contamination. We have sites that the EPA doesn't even know fully how to um, tackle. In fact, they don't even know how far the spread off-site 
of waste is into the community. They're still chasing it down with monitoring wells. So we're, and, we're the EPA's all kinds of worried about the spotted snail darter and the and 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 reintroduction of wolves into uh, Colorado, but we don't have any time or effort for people who've been exposed to radiation poisoning for 80 years by our own government. That's ridiculous. Well, part of the problem is the state of Missouri for so long didn't step up. They were just really, truly didn't. And I think that if you really want to say who didn't understand what was going on, I think we could give a pass, not to the federal government, they knew, but the elected officials in the state of Missouri, I think that they trusted the federal government. And when they told them there was no harm here, or when they told them that these were hysterical moms, because keep in mind, I was a hysterical mom until I got elected. And that's, that's part of the reason why I knew we, I had to get elected, um, was to be taken serious. Um, I've uncovered documents in the 90s where our federal government hired a PR company against St. Charles County to prove to them that it was safe to keep their kids at that high school during the 90s cleanup. Actually, it's a containment more than not really a total cleanup. But they didn't want the kids to be uh, moved from the high school even during the cleanup because it would alert the community that there was a bigger problem. And they thought it would would slow down the cleanup because our drinking wells, and still to this day, are less than a half mile away from that quarry. And it's a limestone porous quarry. Yeah. So they used the students, one, we believe they hid um, in plain sight behind a high school because what better place to hide, right, than next to a high school? The enemies didn't even think that would happen. And then they used them again during the cleanup. Um, so I think Missouri bought into this and it's disgusting really because the same people that were hiring PR folks in Missouri were paying out $88 billion to that sister plant in Ohio. For some reason, Ohio was all over it, right? But Missouri just let it go on. So this, the Senator, after he saw those documents this summer, and I had, I announced that I was going to have a press conference to talk about, um, these um, documents and he showed up to the press conference and he looked us all in the eye and said he will not stop till he gets compensation for St. Louis and St. Charles and the kids at Francis Hall who sat there a while and went to school there while it was in operation and while that waste was contaminating our environment. And some of the pushback that I, I think we were seeing is the price tag for the St. Louis area for this amendment. Did you, uh, maybe if you guys are living in that area, you may not know, we had a really big win um, this summer. The senator got us included in that 90s RICO legislation. Um, for the first time ever, Missouri was getting acknowledged and there was plans for health care and compensation. Yeah, um, It passed by a supermajority. I believe that it was even passing the House because there were some conferees that said they they were confident that Missouri was staying in the NDAA with Senator Hawley's amendment. Well, and then overnight it changed. Yeah. And I think that was some backdoor deals with Leo Shed. Well, hey, listen, we're we are running up on a hard break. We're out of time. Uh, Trish, thank you so much for being on the show. I'm confident that the radio station is going to want to talk to you again, though, because this is not something that this part of the state has been uh, exposed to informationally. And um, I appreciate all the hard work that you're doing, and, and I look forward to seeing you next week. People can watch to see what happened to Missourians. Yeah.
Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming in, for calling in. Uh, thank you, everybody, for uh, for listening today. Thanks, Sarah and Nick, for having me on. This is Darren Chapel for KSGF 1041.